So, you've been a journalist for a while. What do you think when uh, you contact somebody and ask them a question and they keep saying they'll get back to you, but they never do? Well, you kind of have to assume the worst, don't you, really? You have to assume the answer is a really embarrassing one. Or um, Or they don't know it. Or perhaps they don't know it. You're always interviewing somebody at the heart of an action or a PR who's representing someone, so they usually would know. Yeah. So you kind of have to assume... They don't want you to know. That's right, absolutely. Has that happened to you recently then? Yeah, I've been asking about the privacy laws we talked about a few weeks ago and how they relate to emails, and we'll be talking about that this morning. I'm Jimmy Thompson. And I'm Sue Williams. And this is the Flat Chat Wrap. So recently, we had a discussion about privacy and the use of email addresses and providing the email addresses to all the owners. As you know, when you go to your strata manager, you should be able to see pretty much anything that's available on the record for your strata scheme. So that's um, the residents' addresses, and yep, it's their yep. phone numbers, yep. and, and their all, email addresses. All the communications. Everything. I mean, there are a few exceptions, things like if you're in litigation with your strata scheme and they have letters or emails between them and their lawyers about your litigation, then you, mm. they don't have to hand that over. Sure. Well, that's, that's reasonable, that's isn't it? That's privileged really? uh, information. But otherwise, it's pretty much everything that's on the record. Yeah. And it costs you to actually go there, doesn't it? You yeah, have to pay a small fee. I in think. New South Wales, I think it's about $28. Okay. So it's negligible. Yeah. And you have to pay for any photocopying that's done. Okay, and that and elsewhere it's a similar kind of fee. Uh, yeah, some places it's free, uh, other places it's about the same. Mm. So uh, we've been having this discussion about email addresses because somebody said, well, they have to provide the email addresses because it's on the Strata roll, um, and this is on the Flat Chat forum. And I wrongly said, well, you know, you have to provide your postal address as mm. part of Strata law. Mm. but not your email address. And then I checked, and you do have to provide your email address. It says if you have an email address, you should supply it. Wow, because I guess it's really role. similar to, to a postal address, isn't well, it? Well, these really? days, yeah. for most, most people, I think yeah. most people do most of the communication by email mm. of some sort. So I dug into this, and I contacted you know, the New South Wales government, I also looked into the Strata Community Australia. That's the body for strata managers. And I looked at their website, and they specifically say, we do not hand out email addresses because they come under the privacy laws. Really? And and is that right? Well, I guess I'm going to find out in a moment (laughs) when you tell me the results of your inquiry. My investigations, yeah. Um, Well, I don't think it is right. And I contacted the federal body that covers privacy laws and basically they said if you're a corporation that has a turnover of less than three million a year which would be most apartment buildings really yep you're not covered by the privacy laws and if there is another law that compels you to reveal information it's not covered by the privacy laws so that's two counts. Right. So people should actually provide the, the email addresses. Well, that's what I think. So I, I've contacted the New South Wales State Government Justice Department. And it's that usual thing of you go to the Justice Department because they they handle the tribunal, NCAT, 
And they say, no, no, this is a strata thing. So you've got to go to fair trading. You go to fair trading and they say, no, no, this is, this is a justice thing. Oh, that's a familiar merry-go-round, isn't it, really? So I found somebody um, who seems very polite and nice, and for the past two months, I imagine she has been bouncing around from one department to another trying to get an answer. So far, no answer. Oh, no. Two months? Yeah. I emailed the New South Wales president of the SCA and said, look, you've got this on your website. I don't think it's right. Please get back to me. Tell me the basis for for you Mm. having it on your website. And nothing, radio silence there. No, no, we're coming out of Christmas and New Year and maybe he's off skiing in Japan or something like that. (laughs) That's very generous of you. Um, fighting bushfires, that's what he's doing. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, of course. And then I, I went back to the forum and I said, look, I think the evidence seems to be that we're not covered by privacy legislation, but has anybody challenged this? Because I need to see an example of where there has been a case adjudicated, maybe at a tribunal or in a court. Some kind of president in yeah, some way. Yeah. Yep. So up pops this lady in Western Australia. Now, her story is quite interesting and kind of familiar. She suspected that her owner's corporation, I think they call it a strata council there, she suspected that they were using strata funds to uh, repair defects that should have been covered by the builder. Right. And the builder was very influential on the the strata scheme. Mm. So she wanted to get uh, the records of all communications. And first of all... Her strata manager in WA said, no, all these communications are private. So their law is very similar to ours. So she challenged this. And the tribunal, first of all, said she could have access to the papers and she could have access to communications, some of the communications. She could not have access to the emails Mm. in case she used the email addresses to contact owners. And she kind of said, well, one of the reasons I want the email addresses is so I can contact other owners, so I can tell them what's going on here. So that, and that was a ruling of the tribunal. She went to the Supreme Court, Court of Appeal in WA. That's a Mm, very senior court. And she went in and argued that because the law said she was entitled as a member of the, the, the owner's corporation, um, or the body corporate, or whatever they call it out there, uh, because she was entitled to see this stuff, she should be entitled to everything. The uh, strata manager and the committee argued that uh, one of the reasons she shouldn't get the email addresses was because she might use that to contact everybody on a commercial basis. <laughs> you know, like, okay, here you Selling know, Tupperware or Yeah, something. exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And the court said, well, you can't restrict somebody's access to this material because you you think they might misuse it. Mm. And the whole point of her having the email addresses, addresses of other owners is so that she can contact them on matters related to the owner's corporation. You cannot say she might misuse this. And then and use that as an excuse for not giving her the email addresses. That's interesting because it's like you won't ban knives because somebody might use one to stab someone. Yeah, even though we know people do that. Yes. And this lady had no intention of misusing mm. the the email addresses. That sounds a really good ruling. Well, it is. It's a very strong ruling, and it should set a precedent for tribunals here in New South Wales and elsewhere in in Australia. 
Um, I don't know if anybody's game to do that. I don't know if anybody is still refusing to hand over email addresses. I think they are. I, I hear still of people going to their strata managers and saying, can I see the communications, you know, between the strata, the, the strata committee and the builder who is doing something and they're told, no, it's private. Yeah, and I think there's a bit of a new trend as well. When people hand over emails, like a starter manager hands over emails, sometimes these days they redact paragraphs in emails, yeah. which is kind of just a fashionable thing, I think, at the moment. Oh, yeah, there's been yeah. so much publicity about the government doing it for yeah. under privacy re- regulations. It seems that it's, the cancer is kind of spreading elsewhere throughout society. Yeah, somebody's making a fortune with little black line... <laughs> Pens, yeah. black line pens or software for your computer. Mm. Yeah, well, uh, I'd never heard before people redacting information from a strata committee. It's, it's crazy. Yeah, and you know the the other sinister side to all this is what I think the reason strata managers uh, and strata committees don't want ordinary owners to have people's email addresses is they don't want them to be in touch with each other. It's about power, isn't it, really? Yeah. You know, yeah. If, if you've got communication with everyone else, then you've got the power base with you. If other people start using that kind of communication, then that, your power dissipates. Yeah. Well, as we know, you know, once a, a committee gets into power and they start picking up all the proxies from the absentee owners, and the absentee owners don't even read the minutes of meetings, uh, so, you know, they'll basically say, just, I just go with the flow, just, I don't want to rock the boat. If somebody is having to go and get snail mail addresses, which are off, often just to their agents, they're never going to find out that there might be a problem in their building. And sure, fair enough, some people don't want to to find out what's going on in their building, they, as long as their rent's being paid by their tenants and the levies don't go too high. They're happy to let things go the way they are. Sure. But then again, you know, with with emails, you, I mean, we all receive lots and lots of emails that we ignore all the time. So yeah. actually receiving emails from another resident, most people, I think, would have a look at it. And if they were interested, think, oh, yeah, OK, that, that really adds to my sum of knowledge. And then if they receive another one from the same person, if they are interested, they'll look at it. If they're not interested, they'll ignore it or yeah. junk it. So this is the thing that puzzles me, you know, that the owners' corporations, the strata committees, the strata managers are going, oh, you know, this is an invasion of privacy. People don't want you to have their emails because that's an invasion of their privacy. What is being invaded? The inbox of your your email <laughs> program your phone is being invaded by an email. Now, fair enough, there are some people out there who campaign hard, probably harder than they really need to, to get their point across. And that could be quite upsetting for people. But it's not the same as somebody jumping over your garden fence and, and making off with one of your garden gnomes, really, is it? No, or, or looking even, through your window. Or even phoning you on your mobile at 3 a.m. Yes, yeah, which uh, we've both experienced at various <laughs> times. And, you know, look, it's part of it's part of strata living. You're part of a community, whether you want to be or not. Nobody gets to opt out of being part of the owner's corporation or the body corporate. That's not an option. So why should you be protected by other people from communications from other people in your organization? And that's what it amounts to, because... As you know, you can block email addresses. So if you're being pestered by somebody 
You just block their email address. You yeah. never see those emails. Or if you're kind of an ASIO spy or something and you, you really don't want people's emails, then you set up another email address to give pro- to people. I thought we'd promised you'd never tell people I was an ASIO spy. <laughs> but it's quite easy then just to set up another email and kind of give those that email out to people like strata organisations, really. Yeah. I mean, that that is easy, but... It's easier to stop people communicating mm. from each other. And we know from our history in this building and other buildings that the committee is terrified that people will start communicating with each other. Well, in the building where we live now, we only may manage to find um, proof that the chairperson of the owners' corporation, the former chairperson a long time ago, was in cahoots with the developer when... By mistake, he sent out one of his emails from the developer to a couple of members of the executive committee telling the developer, don't worry, he'd he'd, um, He'd deal with the (laughs) miscreants in the executive committee who were demanding defects rectification and he'd keep them quiet. Um, It was only that email that suddenly sparked off a huge kind of action to make sure that defects were rectified and realising that the chairperson shouldn't be trusted. And we then used the email system because of the incompetence of the then strata manager (laughs) who sent out a a CC to everyone email. So we got everybody's email addresses. We didn't even have to ask for them. And if we had asked for them, we would have been refused them. But we had everybody's email addresses and we were able to write to people and say, do you realize what's going on in this building? Mm. And the one person who didn't read the email was the chairman. Mm. He turned up at the meeting all puffed up and very proud of himself and being in control and didn't realise there was a coup going on and he was on the way out. <laughs> he wasn't a happy man that day, if I recall. No. But far better to rely on the law than incompetence, really. So it would be good to see these kind of rights enshrined in law and, and in a way that everyone can understand. Yes. And we're not having to rely on people coming back to us from the government who don't really quite know what's happening. Yes. And the government doesn't know what's happening. The people don't know what's happening. Uh, we don't know what's happening. Um, and I think uh, I would love the SCA to come back to me and tell me what they think about this, because I think, and this is my personal opinion, all the indications are that if an owner wants email addresses that are on the strata roll, and everybody who has an email address should have put them on the strata roll, and if they are using emails to contact owners, like to say, hey, you're behind with your levies or we've got a meeting coming up, those email addresses should be made available to the owners who ask for them. So come on, SCA, just answer. Just come up with an answer because I think what you've got on your website is misleading strata managers and it's misleading strata owners. Uh, There's a lot of confusion. We need to clear it up. And maybe I'll even unblock the people whose emails I've blocked from our committee <laughs> as, a, as a gesture of, oh. of openness. <laughs> Starting the new year well. I just feel a great, I don't know why, I know that there are emails flying around and emails being sent to me and my computer just gobbles them up and spits them out somewhere and I never see them and that makes me, ignorance is bliss sometimes. <laughs> um, one of the other things that we've been chatting about on the Flat Chat Forum has been what I call dead man voting. What happens to your proxy votes when you pass away? Do they live on after you? That's after this.
And we're back. Uh, so here's another curly question for you. What happens to a proxy vote after the person who gave the proxy is either permanently incapacitated or passes away? Goodness, that's a bit gruesome, isn't it, really? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, you know, these things, these things happen. Well, we know that they happen because somebody's written to the flat chat forum and asked exactly that question. What happens when you've been given a proxy vote and the person behind it has passed away? And in this case, I think it was a case of them becoming incapacitated. So, you know, I'm thinking possibly an older person, you know, who's uh, gone into care or something like that. Yeah, I would have thought the executor of their estate, because they, they kind of take over the estate, don't they? So they would take over the proxy? No. Uh <laughs> Oh, oh, okay. Yeah. So do no, you, you would think that. You would mm. think that. And you would think if the person died, then the executor would, would come in as the... Pol- or even the people who are in, inheriting their state, really. Yeah. I suppose it's more them than the executor, I suppose. Yeah. You would think that. But it's not as simple as that, it turns out. In the case of a proxy, once a proxy person... I'm trying to think of the correct name for a proxy donor. The uh, proxy giver... Okay, I, uh, I don't know what it would be either. Proxiteer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Proxologist. No, no, that's a whole different... Proctologist is... Yes, is okay. yeah, you don't want right, to do no, that. No. no, we don't want to go there. The person who gives the proxy, once they cease to operate by for whatever reason, then the proxy's gone. Really? Yeah, it's gone. It's It doesn't... It hasn't... The person who gave that proxy is no longer in a position to take it away. Oh, I see. So that's an important part of the proxy law is mm. that at any point the person who gave the proxy can say, all right, I rescind that. I don't want you to vote for me and I, I want somebody else to do it or whatever. But as soon as they say that, it's very clear the proxy ceases to be uh, used by the person it's been given to. So if the person who gave the proxy has incapacitated then the proxy dies, right? Mm. When the owner passes away or becomes incapacitated, I don't know how many more times I'm going to be able to say that word this morning. <laughs> I'm sure I'm going to have to at some point. Well, the, the person who is inheriting the estate doesn't become the owner on the strata roll until such times as the estate has been cleared and settled. Yeah, mm. there's a technical term for it. And so their vote is kind of lost. They have no vote either. Yeah. Okay. So this could be critical in, in situations where a, a vote, say an AGM or an EGM, is, is extremely close. A tight vote. That's when everybody starts examining very closely who's Any got proxies. the right to vote mm. and proxies and things mm. like that. But there was another thing that came up, which was that if you have a power of attorney over somebody who is, you know, in decline and, you know, they're they're losing the ability to make decisions for themselves. What happens when they become fully incapacitated or pass away? And it's quite technical because if you have a proxy vote for them and you have power of attorney, if it's just a normal power of attorney, it expires. As soon as that person passes away, that power of attorney expires. Oh, okay. I didn't know that either. Unless oh. it's an enduring power of attorney. So there's two, you can go, you know, if you've got an elderly relative who needs a bit of looking after and 
you, you think you might have to make decisions on their behalf, then you can get power of attorney to sign papers for them uh, when they are not able to do it for themselves and things like that. There's a thing called enduring power of attorney, which goes much further than that, which basically allows you to make decisions on their behalf. Like a classic one would be an elderly relative who needs to be in some sort of residential care but doesn't want to be in residential care. If you have enduring power of attorney, i.e. you've anticipated this years in advance and you have that level of power of attorney, you can basically force them to go into residential care. Mm. If you have that enduring power of attorney and a proxy vote and the relative dies you can then exercise that proxy. Wow. But you have to have that, like, really... Specific set specific, of circumstances, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, you can have, effectively, the dead man vote, um, or the zombie <laughs> vote, as I some sometimes unkindly call it. Although there are people who would look at some executive committees, some strata committees, and say, well, they're all zombie votes, really. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, so, so an ATM I mean, would be the night of the living dead, really. It, yeah, mm. well, we've been through a few mm. of those. <laughs> you yeah. never know where strata is going to lead you, do you, really? No, these funny little rabbit holes. But it's I found this out on the um, Attorney General website, and they deal with all the things like uh, powers of attorney and stuff like that, and they're quite specific that uh, if you have power of attorney, and regular power of attorney, and the, the person, the subject of that dies then the power of attorney expires. But if you have enduring power of attorney, then you're able to act on behalf of that person as in terms of their estate, etc., etc. Sure. So oh, yeah, that's an interesting lesson for, for all of us, really. So, yeah, now we can we know we can get the email addresses and we can vote <laughs> for dead people. Send dead letter drops. <laughs> now, that's dead interesting. Right. Um... When we come back, we're going to have a quick chat about pets and smoke. That's after this. And we're back. So pets and smoke. So with the bushfires, I guess we kind of try and keep our pets indoors and stuff. But obviously with dogs, we can't do that all the time. But is there anything that we need to particularly know about pets and bush smoke? Well, um, a couple of interesting things. Uh, we see in our buildings uh, a lot of these small pug-like dogs. There's, there's uh, French bulldogs, French bulldogs, pugs, uh, regular-sized bulldogs, Pekingese, uh, English spaniels. The ones, the dogs with the flatter face. They've mm. been bred for cuteness, but they tend to have restricted uh, breathing. Breathing, mm. and there's a very technical word for it, which I'm not even going to attempt cracky something. Anyway, they have restricted airways. In the smoke, there are a couple of things that happen in smoke and heat. The smoke irritates the the airways on any living being, but when you've got restricted air, airways, they can become inflamed. And also, dogs especially tend to cool themselves down by panting. So if they're not able to breathe really well, then oh, they'll they, get overheated very they get easily. Overheated. And there was a very sad case of a boxer dog, another one with a flatter face, that it died on, on the Sydney airport 
because it was left out on the runway oh, on the hottest gosh, day yeah. of the year. Mm. Um, and it just wasn't able to cool itself down. The poor woman was looking at the crate with her dog in it and saying to people, hey, you know, my dog's been out there for an hour. Can you? And they're saying, no, your dog's fine. Your dog's fine. Well, the dog wasn't. Yeah. Um, but it's a kind of lesson to anybody, especially in apartments where a lot of people go for these smaller dogs, these pug-like dogs. You've got to keep them cool. Um, and we've got a thing on the Flat Chat website right now that tells you how to keep your dog cool. It came from the, the Pets Insurance Agency, PIA. Yeah. Oh, they send us lots of good stuff about pets. But the, the one thing I hadn't realized, we've got cats. How do cats keep themselves cool? One of our cats lies on his back <laughs> and true. spreads his legs and arms out. Yes, like a starfish cat. <laughs> yeah. That's not normal. <laughs> oh, okay. How do cats keep themselves? So do they pant as well a bit? They do. They don't do they, a little really? bit, but mainly it's by grooming. Really? Yeah, and oh. or it's a big part of their keeping because it makes them damp. Yeah, oh, so, okay. and they're lifting their fur and things like that. But in smoky, bushfiery conditions, they have ash on their fur, fur. which mm-hmm. is not good for them. Ah, because they're ingesting that ash. Yes. So the answer is. Keep your pets inside, and in really hot weather, especially with cats, wipe them down with a damp cloth, because that will not only cool them down, but it will remove any ash or smoke fragments or whatever, smoke particles. And And also maybe clean up regularly, clean the balcony regularly, because, you know, cats and dogs are going out in the balcony and they're getting ash on them. Yeah. And I think many, many of us have been thinking, well... The bushfire season's only just started, so we won't bother to clean up till maybe Till it's April. an inch thick of <laughs> well, ash on right, the balcony. That's yeah. a kind of lesson for us to be a bit more responsible, I suppose. Yeah, and dogs, um, just water plate is good for dogs. Mm. Don't exercise them in the middle of the day. Exercise them early morning and in the evening when it's cooler. Um, just give them a chance to cool down. And water play is not so good with cats, is it really? They don't enjoy that quite so much. No, and, and you've got to be careful which kind of dogs you and the kind of water play you use because I didn't know this. Some breeds of dogs can't swim, oh. can't even do the dog paddle. I assumed all dogs could swim. So did I, but mm. apparently there's some. I don't know which breeds they are. Maybe I should do a follow up. <laughs> I don't know how relevant to apartment living that is. Okay, so thank you so much again for coming on the Flat Chat podcast with me it's an honor mr thompson <laughs> I don't know about that. this time in the morning it doesn't feel like such an honorable thing to do <laughs> you can catch up on all of the things we've been discussing on the flat chat website and uh, we will be back again next week flat chat.com.au thanks for listening bye bye If you enjoy these podcasts, and would you still be listening if you didn't, you can subscribe free of charge on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and lots of other podcast platforms. As I said, it's free of charge, and that means the podcast will be delivered directly to your phone, laptop, or computer as soon as it's published. You'll find links at the end of the show notes, that's the related story, on the Flat Chat website. And the website is where you go to find the stories we've been discussing today, as well as about 10 years of archives and, of course, your questions and answers on the Flat Chat forum. Just log in to flat-chat.com.au, 
to ask a question or, even better, answer someone else's. Okay, thanks for listening. Talk to you again soon.